Good Monday morning and welcome to Connect, the California MBA's weekly podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. I'm Dustin Hobbs, Communications Director at the California MBA, and we're concluding, finishing up our our focus here in June on the capital and secondary markets. We've got a great guest, and we'll jump into the conversation with him here in just a moment. But first, let's thank our sponsors over at Accelerate. So Accelerate helps lenders close more loans through better borrower engagement. The mortgage industry's most innovative customer experience platform delivers lead management, sales enablement, engagement, a robust mortgage-specific content library, and data intelligence, all in one comprehensive and highly scalable platform. Accelerate delivers dynamic technology, strategy, and content for every channel of your business to ensure engagement throughout the customer journey, whether it be with your borrowers, referral partners, or any other party through the loan transaction. The dynamic enterprise solution seamlessly fits into your tech stack, whether that's your phone integration, your POS, your LOS, servicing system, or data enrichment, due to their advanced API connectivity, modern design, and open architecture. Gone are the days of managing multiple and separate systems like your CRM, your marketing automation system, lead management, and having your data trapped in silos. The innovative platform allows you to provide your internal and external customers timely, relevant information based on data intelligence to build repeatable outcomes at each stage of the borrower's journey. Bottom line, close more loans, improve borrower uh, conversations, enhance customer retention, transform your customer acquisition lifestyle, and create customers for life. So for more information, visit Accelerate.com, or you can uh, dial the number listed in the description below. So before we jump in the conversation, I want to toss it over to Susan Malazzo, our CEO, for this week's weekly update. Susan? Thanks, Dustin. Hi, this is Susan with the California MBA. And this week, I'd like to talk with you about our Western Secondary Market Conference happening in person at the beautiful Waldorf Astoria Monarch Beach Resort Hotel in Dana Point. Uh, we have some great uh, speakers and sessions lined up for our agenda, of course, including today's podcast guest, Phil Rosori, who will be speaking on our capital markets panel. Uh, we also are going to be talking about mergers and acquisitions, um, servicing, technology in the mortgage space, uh, then what's happening in the non-QM market, as well as our CEO panel and uh, the Empower leadership panel that'll be led by Marsha Davies from the National MBA. We're really looking forward to being back together again this year at this beautiful resort, and I hope that you can join us. Registration is open, so visit our website and get registered, and I look forward to seeing you in August at Dana Point. Back to you, Dustin. All right, thanks, Susan. Now let's jump into the conversation. I'm excited to welcome in an old friend of the association. Uh, He's spoken at uh, many of our conferences and and been a big uh, supporter of the association for a long time. Phil Rosori, COO at MCT. Welcome, Phil. Thank you, Dustin. Great to to be here. Yeah, it's great to see you again. Phil has always been one of our... uh, been one of our speakers. Uh, most, If you've seen him before at our conferences, you've most likely been at the Western Secondary where he's spoken on our capital markets uh, panels over the years. So Phil, for those though that maybe don't know you, tell us a bit about your background, what you know, got you into the industry, and what led you to where you're at uh, there at uh, MCT. Yeah, yeah. So uh, really, I'm, you know, M- MCT really through and through uh, out, of, out of college. Uh, for those of you that have uh, have seen me and don't know, I'm uh, 
uh, I, I look a lot older than I am. Uh, uh, so uh, graduated college in, uh, let's see, 01 and uh, uh, did some, uh, had some computer science background and math background and uh, actually, actually got into, did some mortgage brokering early on. Uh, but then by uh, beginning of 03, I came on with MCT and, uh, and uh, have really been, uh, been been here ever since and really been blessed with a good team and uh great great business partner in 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 Curtis Richens and so it's 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 been a it's been a great ride and uh um you know you know really really excited about the about the future here at MCT yeah yeah well I'm curious I mean you said you kind of uh, you know uh, went to MCT right out of college were you always interested in real estate markets or capital markets or or that uh I mean, it's not necessarily one of those things where you can, you know, you major in, you know, not too many people these days are majoring in real estate. So, uh, you know, was this always something that was a passion of yours? You know, it's a great, it's a great question because I think that's, that's one thing whenever we hire, I've hired, I went to University of California, San Diego, and over the years, um, because we're based in San Diego, I've hired about 30 uh, 30 students or so from uh, directly out of San Diego and UC San Diego and they you know they all kind of say exactly what I what I said they re really didn't uh, didn't understand that this sliver of the of the mortgage industry you know really even existed uh, no no for me um, you know I'm definitely looking for something in 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 the fixed income trading space um, and uh, this this was just perfect because I already had some uh, some knowledge on the uh, on the origination side, and I and, and I do think that 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 experience early on in um, you know small experience in uh, on the broker origination side uh, definitely helped me uh, through the years in secondary to kind of understand the mindset um, of of the originator, which is which is always good. Um, although you know the world's changed a lot in in, in the last twenty years. Um, and continues to change. Obviously, it's good for those of us in secondary to continue, especially in 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 secondary vendors um, like an MCT, to continue to understand what the ownership of at, at a lender has to deal with. You know, on the origination side, because sometimes or a lot of times those those interests can be perpendicular to the to the interest of uh, of secondary and the and the profitability of the lender. Yeah. Well, and you kind of mentioned that uh, you know your the, sort of the breadth of your knowledge and uh, and experience in the industry going back to you know you said in the early early two thousands. What was it like? I mean, we didn't really talk about this prior, but I'm curious. You know, what was it like? You know, getting into sort of the secondary and capital markets that early on, right as the you know the boom of the early two thousands started, then obviously things you know crashed the way they did. What, how did that shape the you know that early part of your career? Yeah, you know, it's a great question when you think about 2003. For those of us that were in the industry in 2003, it, it, it's a little bit similar um, to kind of what, what we saw at the beginning of 2021. You know, there was this uh, rally in bonds basically ever since, um, basically ever since 9-11, you know, through two, 2002. Early 2003, um, rates just continued to drop, um, and uh, what would be considered, of course, high rates now, um, but uh, they continued to fall and fall. And then in um, 
in late June, the market basically turned around and, uh, uh, you know, rates just shot up and there was some big, uh, like Capital Commerce, some, big, you know, big name groups that went out of business because they weren't hedging uh, properly. And that definitely, um, that definitely helped the, the, the hedge advisor world, you know, show, show the value of, uh, in, the, in the absolute need to, you know, properly hedge your pipeline. Um, even in a market where the world thinks rates are going to continue to drop, which is really, if you, if you take yourself back to that time in early 03, a lot of people were, were, were just thinking that, you know, it's going to continue this way. And of course, it, it turned around in a hurry. Yeah, when you had a lot of people coming into the end of the industry at that time that didn't have a long experience in the industry, and and you know I came in in uh, in 2004, and it seemed more like one of those things. I mean, I had no background in the industry, and it was like, oh well, I mean, this industry is fantastic. Things are always on the on the upswing, right? There's no there's no downside apparently to this industry. Obviously, there is. It, you know, for those that have been in the industry long enough, they would always say, you know, it's feast or famine. It's feast or famine. There's going to be a you know, there will be a, a, a another another side to this uh, this boom here that for those that aren't prepared for it, they'll they'll pay a price. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, looking back here in the, just this past year, obviously it's been a another year that's been a, a challenging year to say the least for uh, folks in the industry. So, for you, just what was maybe the biggest lesson that you learned over the past year, whether that's professional or, or uh, personal? Well, I, I, you know, look at, look, I think professionally, um, you know, we, we were uh, definitely proud at how we communicated early um, to, to, you know, to our clients at, at, at some of these, these critical times as, as, as there was a lot of uncertainty out there. I think the lesson learned is just, you know, can the, the value of that communication is, is, is huge um in in times where you really you really don't know uh you know you know what's going to happen i think that it, it, it's if we just take ourselves back to that month of march that was an incredible period if you think of 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 kind of everything that happened in the first couple weeks of march where uh rates just precipitously dropped the concern was just normal pull through uh, then the uh, as the stock market fell out, you know the MBS market fell apart. Um, so that was a concern that just MBS was going to trade as a risk asset and rates were going to go through the roof. Then the Fed came in um, in a big way and turned things around the other direction, and everybody thought they were going to go out of business um, from a margin call perspective. That all happened in a period of less than three weeks. Um, so it's just incredible how many worlds we were in in, in, in in a period of three weeks. So I think, you know, just uh, the, the the continued communication with our client base, I think, um, you know, a, a specific, just getting into the, the weeds of the specifics, I think it's, you know, MCT is a as a organization working with small lenders will kind of redouble our efforts to get our lenders agency approved. I think that's um that that was definitely shown that you know in times of crisis you 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 need to be able to at least control your own future with the agencies. Now, as we're seeing now with shifting pricing at the agencies, that's not necessarily you know a a uh, you know, you know, a cure-all, um, but it definitely takes one layer of risk out 
uh, having that option to execute to the agencies. Yeah. So, I mean, things are obviously changing right now. We're in a sort of a shifting market here. So what's what's the latest at MCT? What do you guys uh what do you guys see going on right now as far as you know the company itself and and uh what you're talking about with uh with clients and and prospective clients about what you know what to uh, keep an eye on right now well look i i i think the biggest thing is you know it's apropos timing right our 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 podcast here after uh uh yeah i guess about a little over 24 hours after that supreme court decision you know, allowing for uh, the current administration to remove the current, you know, FHFA director. Um, Look, we all have our opinions. Um, I do think that regardless of, you know, if it was the director um, or just FHFA in general, the current regime uh, was creating a lot of market disruption. That's the bottom line. Um, You cannot continue to give these... uh, you know, give these directives that are substantial, I mean, big changes with no lead time. And that's been a problem. If you think of basically ever since April of 2020, as we started some of those forbearance communications on, uh, you know, what would be purchased, uh, then the orphaning of the cash outs, um, the, you know, to the refi, the 50 basis point refi hit last fall, um, to, you know, of course, all of this non-owner occupied and, and second home and the PSPA uh, stuff in January, um, there, there, there really just has been a, a complete lack of, uh, of lead time. So we're, we're definitely hoping that, um, you know, that, that, you know, that, that, that we're going to see some changes there. Um, because I think that if you, if you subscribe to, the theory that you know FHFA is truly trying to just capitalize the agencies. The the problem with creating uncertainty of, of that lack of lead time is you create friction. And any econo- you know economist will tell you that when you create that friction, you raise more. You basically, you put a, you know you raise more in fee to the borrower than you get to the agency because that uncertainty and that friction has to materialize in larger margins at the front end from the lender to the borrower. That's the bottom line. And so, um, you know, I think the the biggest thing right now to watch uh, in the next, you know, however many days it takes the, you know, the administration to find a, a, uh, you know, a permanent director and uh, get that confirmed get that director confirmed i think the bigger the biggest thing to watch is kind of the 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 motions out of fhfa uh i don't think we're going to see a lot of uh positive changes to second home and non-owners if you think of just you know the 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 kind of where the democratic party sits landlords probably aren't their first uh you know aren't top of mind to protect, right? And and wealthier people with second homes probably aren't top of mind. But if you look at some of the other risk layers of PSPA, I, I don't see the, you know, the Democrats killing, uh, uh, you know, hurting people with high LTVs and, and lower FICOs and higher DTIs. So I think that that's, and, and maybe some of the cash window stuff. I know that you know, you, you guys at CMBA have done a lot of work at that and, and also the MBA. And I think we're all hopeful that we can get some of those cash window caps relieved. But that's where, you know, as far as what's going on, you know, kind of 
specific to our industry, I think that's a, you know, what happened yesterday is the potential for a big change um, for a, a positive change. Because frankly, it, it, some of the some of the moves o over the last 16 months have, have been, um, you know, almost, uh, it could almost be classified as hostile, you know, to, to, to the mortgage industry. So hoping for some changes there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, looking maybe specifically at uh, hedging strategies, what should lenders keep in mind? I mean, based on you know everything you just said there and everything that uh, industry is going through right now, what should we keep in mind when it comes to working through our uh, hedging strategies? Yeah, <clears throat> you know, it's a great question. I think that uh, if we just uh, kind of uh, tail off of what, what I just said on um, on second homes and non-owners. I think you have to be, um, you, you know, you, you have to be very careful of bringing that production in. I mean, I mean, you're most, most everyone who's listening to this podcast knows or, or maybe has already been affected. Um, but some of those ratios, you know, when Fannie, you know, Fannie Mae pulls you down from uh, you know, what was thought to be a 7% limit down to 3% and then pull some lenders down to 0%. Um, that, that's highly problematic uh, because what happens is on the aggregator side, you, so let's say you're a lender that's selling to the agencies. Now you have to turn around and, and direct that fire hose to the aggregators. Well, the aggregators are seeing that from, you know, they're seeing that across the board. And so, and they obviously have their own ratios to worry about. So controlling that production at the front end, you know, you're going to continue to see best effort pricing worsen on the non-owners and second homes. There's no question about that. Um, look, there's a, there's a market, um, you know, there's a market for it. There's a private money market for it. There's uh, been some six recent success stories with some large aggregators uh, the question remains as can price, you know, can the PLS space handle the sheer volume of, uh, you know, of let's say 12% of the industry uh, that that's that's coming down the pike, and then and 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 that remains to be seen. I mean, obviously, there's a yield level where non-owners and second homes uh, make sense, but I I think it's probably you know, at the, at the scale that we're looking for here, it's probably a little bit higher than it is now. So that's a long way of saying in the hedge, you know, for a small to mid-sized lender, I think you have to be very careful of, uh, especially if you, you know, if you're, if you only have aggregator executions, you have to be very careful of, of, of monitoring how much production's coming in of that second home and non-owner production right now. Because we just don't see, and, and again, going back to just the political landscape, I don't see a huge political will. Dustin, you, you and your your group probably at yeah, CMBA know far more about this than we do, but we we don't see a huge political will on the Democratic side, you know, to to, to fight for the you know the, the the guys who own a lot of uh, you know rentals. Right. No, I I think you're right. You're you know spot on there. So and and maybe you answered this uh, or hinted at at least uh, you know, talking about uh, private lending space. What do you think is going to be maybe the the hottest market or product? You know, let's just look forward twelve months from now. Yeah, well, you know, I think um, you're, uh, you, you know, you know, we we'll just stick to all stick to the the laser focus that we're in in in, in pure pure secondary. 
Um, I think that, uh, you know, obviously, you know, like you said, I hinted at the, the non-owner, the, the second home space. Um, that's a, uh, you know, that, that's a, that's a valuable market. Uh, it's not just as, as you well know, it's not just from the origination perspective, it's the, re the originator retention perspective. Um, obviously originators that, um, of, of all of our lenders that have a lot of second home buyers and, and, and non-owner buyers, those are generally, um, the, 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 uh, the higher value, you know, high value originators that you want to keep. So you have to have that ability to originate that product. So, so I, I think that's definitely going to be a hot market. And then I, you know, we also have to, of course, watch what happens to real estate, you know, values. Um, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the HPI uh, that, that FHFA follows to, to, to increase those loan limits. They've done a good job of following. Um, given how crazy real estate values are, it, it'll be interesting. You know, I mean, if, if we do see these real estate value increases continue, um, you know, and, and, and the, you know, hopefully the HPI index will just, uh, you know, materialize correctly given your, your MSA that you're in, um, you know, you're going to see you know, substantially higher conforming loan limits next year. It, again, um, if 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 values continue, but with that said, you're still going to see a need for just just how crazy real estate values have gotten. You're going to still see this increased need for jumbo lending, and so I think that um, that'll be that'll continue to be a be a hot market, especially with where real estate values are going. So, I mean, and just to maybe put you on the spot on this, uh, where do you see uh, real estate values going over the next over the next year? I mean, obviously, it's a, a the nature of uh, real estate values. I always you know, it drives me nuts when you see you know national median home price, which I mean, it has its place, but it's certainly from just an individual originator's perspective, it's sort of pointless to know if you're if you're originating in Orange County, California, then who cares what the prices are in you know Charleston? So, yeah. I mean, just from your perspective, what uh, what do you see uh, you know, values doing over the next year? Maybe just specific to California. Well, you know, I I, I think I I think you guys at CMBA and uh, and and uh, and and a lot of our lenders, uh, our mutual lenders, uh, clients probably have better better ideas on this than we do, since we're focused on secondary. But look, I mean, I think that. Uh, just just the basic economics of the fact that you know materials have not yeah lumber prices have come down but uh, you know materials have, have gone up uh, there's obviously the labor issues uh, it, it doesn't seem and then let alone some of the the other issues that are hitting us in California of, of restrictions on building for drought situations you know you can, of course you've got fire issues um, so Specific to California, I it's hard to see um, prices go go down just from a supply and demand situation, you know. And uh, but it is incredible to see those those statistics of uh, housing, you know, median house, you know, you know, prices in north of seven hundred fifty thousand in a state with almost forty million people is just incredible. Um, so I, it, it does seem like the economics, maybe not the, uh, the incomes, but the economics of just building, you know, building, um, and, and just some of the restrictions that we're all, 
we're all facing here in the West, uh, especially in California, um, you know, support uh, support some pretty high cost uh, high cost housing. That that's for sure. So I don't I don't see it going down uh, anytime soon, unfortunately, because I do think I you know eventually. I mean, you watch the DTIs in our pipeline. Eventually, you 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 do hit an affordability uh, issue. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right on there. So uh, we're getting a little short on time here. So I've got time for uh, maybe two more questions. Uh, so next one here, just you know, this is sort of a uh, open-ended here. But uh, what's maybe one thing that if I'm a if I'm a lender, if I'm a mortgage banker watching this, and I want one thing to take away from this, what's one thing that lenders don't know that they should know? I think that um, you know. Just going back to well, a, a, a lot of lenders, a lot of lenders know this, um, but uh, but it's hard it's it, it's hard to remember, um, you know, in the in in the heat of the moment of of dealing with your your business, dealing with your your originators. Um, that look, there's going to continue to be changes. We know that. Um, I think with the removal of the director of FHFA yesterday. Hopefully, some of those changes will be a little bit less, um, you know, abrupt and uh, and and kind of cause less disruption. But there's going to continue to be changes. And again, non-owners and and uh, and second homes are such a quintessential example because of those originator retention issues that they cause. But it, it, it's hard to remember in the heat of the moment. But you have to. You know, look at the overall business, realize that do you want to risk the profitability of the entire business for 11% of your pipeline? And that's, um, and again, totally understand the originator perspective, but but it's you got to take a step back and understand that at some point, um, some of these changes require you to control volume through margin at the front end, and that's not fun to do. Um, but but we you know we were a broken record about this throughout the pandemic and throughout those changes in the pandemic. Um, some of our clients that listened to us early on in the pandemic they lost originators, um, but uh, it was worth it, right? Um, because some of the changes that that occurred. Um, you know, you, you had to make it through that tough period of March and April to to achieve the best year ever. Um, you know, you, you had to stay in business. So I think um, just being able to, you know, take those take those hits at the origination level. I know it's easy for me to say on, a, on at the secondary side, um, it's, it's worth it and, and always putting it in perspective because again when we talk to clients and and again second homes down owners perfect example but we could see we could definitely see other issues happen um you're definitely going to see some pricing changes uh continue continued pricing changes from the agencies uh we just saw one from you know at the at the mbs level that um probably you know that that, that had downstream effects it's already taken place um so it's not like pricing will worsen from here because of the change but um, those are, you know, those, those those are changes that do that do affect your, you know, they 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 average out over time. But you're you're, you're going to see swings in profitability or of your pipeline, um, you know, because of because of some of these changes. I I, I think again, going back to, uh, I don't want to pin too much hope on this, sell too much hope on the on the change of directorship, but 
uh, hopefully some of the pricing changes that we've seen at the agency levels will you know will will adjust a little bit um, you know as 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 we see some changes at FHFA. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. So uh, closing out here, we've got uh, one more question, and uh, you know I mentioned at the outset that uh, MCT and you, Phil, have been you know good supporters of the NBA and, and the California NBA for a number of years. So from your perspective, you know maybe talking to a uh, you know company that's not a supporter yet of either of the organizations and maybe doesn't see the value in that. What, from your perspective, why do you guys support industry groups like the California NBA and the NBA? What do you see as the as the crucial reason for that? Well, look, I mean, I think the biggest example is is March 23rd through March 30th of, of 2020. So during that period, starting March Monday, March 23rd, um, we had a obviously this just unprecedented. Everything was unprecedented, obviously. But the rally that occurred because of the the the. Uh, basically what what the fed did was just launch this cannon that basically said we're going to buy whatever it takes bottom line there wasn't a number associated with it and so you just saw that you know definitely shored up the mbs market which had issues but then it um it, it you know darn near put everybody out of business because the margin calls kept coming in uh MBA and I know I know Dustin CMBA was big in this as well, but MBA and and I've credited Mike Fratantonio on a lot of webinars that we've done. Um, you know he had contacts over the Fed. I talked with him that Saturday, I believe it was the twenty eighth at like six in the morning. He was frantically going back and forth. Um, look, I don't know that the Fed would have understood um, what what they were doing had MBA not had, and, and, and again, in, in CMBA as well, had you guys not had those contacts over there, right? The large lenders, you know, especially some of the depositories, the household name depositories don't have that same problem, right? So, so uh, you know, for us to think that the, the household names will, you know, have, who do have contacts at the Fed? There's no question about that, and they have contacts at Treasury. But to think that their interests will be aligned with a independent mortgage lender is, is probably a little bit naive. And so it's 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 absolutely essential um, to 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 have that support. And you guys, I I, I think look, uh, you know, again again the the mortgage banking associations showed their value. Uh, during the pandemic, and and it's the same thing now. Um, like, like I said, I think it's a little bit more of an uphill battle uh, with the second home and non-owners. But there's there's uh, the the cash window uh, caps are huge. They need to that needs to be communicated at the political level that on January 14th, when Treasury issued that press release. And they said they they and they announced the caps under the title of protections for small lenders. That's just completely false, uh, because uh, you know we can show just just from a competitive standpoint that you're going to have a concentration of power at the you know at the higher at the at the tier one aggregator level, which you know does the opposite. It hurts the smaller lender. So uh, the the only groups that are going to be able to have those political contacts and be able to uh to to articulate that to these to to the 
you know, the powers that be, you know, is, 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 is really you guys. So it, it's essential. And that's not because I'm on your podcast. Uh, that's, uh, that, that's the truth. Well, you've shown that over the years by being a great member. So absolutely. Hey, Phil, great, uh, great conversation. Great to uh, see you. And uh, for those that uh, want to check out uh, what you guys are up to there, work, what's the best way to find out? Uh, you know, you know, I think uh, going to, going to our uh, going to our website, or uh, you know, I, I I think we've got a pretty good uh, sales uh, sales group and marketing uh, group, and you guys can uh, yeah, always always definitely, uh, and we'll and we'll be at we'll be at CMBA, so uh, uh, Western Secondary. So I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to that'll actually be our first uh, first conference back where we're going to be in full full force there. So we're excited for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're interested in uh, more information about the Western Secondary, you can go to westernsecondary.com and uh, registration is open now. So if you want to see Phil and the team at MCT in person, you can do that at the uh, Western Secondary coming up here in August. And uh, again, uh, if you enjoyed the conversation here, make sure and uh, subscribe to us on our YouTube channel here. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'll be back again next week for another episode of Connect. We'll see you then.